Hello there, and a very big welcome to you, my friend. This is the Star City Podcast, where you can always listen in on new and interesting conversations with people just like you, sharing their stories about life, family, work, and faith. Once again, I'm your host, Brian Smith, and today we have with us my friend and our special guest, Dr. Gary Mathena. Gary, welcome, and it's great to have you here on Star City. Thank you, Brian. It's always good to be with you. Uh, Now, Gary, today we're talking about something that is near and dear to your heart and something that you literally have spent a lifetime doing and leading others to do with you. We're talking about the subject of worshiping God. That's right, Brian. I'm very excited about our visit today. I've uh, been leading God's people in worship for over 52 years now. Mm. That's that's hard to believe as I think (laughs) about it. I, I, uh, I actually started in the seventh grade. Wow. And became the minister of music at my first church when I was a freshman in high school. And uh, the more I led worship, the more I wanted to know about worship, not just musically, but but theologically. And uh, and over time, ended up with a couple of doctorates in worship studies that I've been able to make good use of mm, in yes, my ministry of encouraging, equipping, educating, and edifying worship leaders here in America and around the world. Well, my friend, we certainly have the right guest today to talk about this subject of worship. And you know, Gary, worship seems to be something that is built into the DNA of men and women alike. But the experience or expression of worship, unfortunately, isn't something that's limited to the one true God of the Bible, is it? Brian, I believe that uh, the Bible teaches that God created us for worship. Um, in fact, I've, I've, I've said that worship is our design, worship is our duty, and of course, worship should be our delight. And because we human beings were created for worship, there is a, um, a God-shaped vacuum in every heart that we try to fill with every conceivable pleasure, but ultimately can only be satisfied when we begin to worship God, loving Him with our whole mm. heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans 12, 1, which is a great verse to explain what worship is really all about. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, your logical service of worship. Mm. You know, a few years ago, Gary, you wrote a book which was in many ways for you the culmination, as you say, of your personal experiences, which are vast and long. Uh, What you've learned in God's Word and your role as a leader of worship in churches, crusades, conferences, and even classrooms. But interesting title for a book on worship. Uh, Tell me, why the title, One Thing Needful? Well, Brian, the title comes uh, from the story of Mary, her sister Martha, and Jesus in Luke chapter 10. And uh, just to uh, relate to the story, Jesus and, and, and 12 hungry disciples uh, showed up unexpectedly at Mary and Martha's house. And uh, just imagine how your wife might feel if she had been in Martha's place, trying to throw together a big meal at the last minute for so many people. It would have been a busy day. <laughs> she was a little stressed, to say the least. Uh, and in all of her meal preparation, uh, she came out of the kitchen looking for her sister Mary for some help, and what and and was not a little aggravated to see her sister just sitting there, uh, doing nothing, uh, just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to what he had to say. Um, 
the the Bible indicates that Mary couldn't believe uh, that Martha uh, couldn't believe that Mary could be so thoughtless as to leave her with all the meal preparations. Martha uh, was so busy serving Christ, wanting to do her best for Him, and th- and she thinks that she has grounds to be angry with her lazy sister, and mm. and she even chides Jesus for allowing the injustice to continue. Yes, she did. It it, it appears that. Uh, that somehow in all of the hectic hurry-scurry of the situation, Martha had allowed her ministry to Christ to take precedence over her relationship with Christ. Mm. And all of her religious activity, Martha had completely overlooked the spiritual activity that was going on around her. Yes, Um, I'm sure she must have been surprised when Jesus tenderly rebuked her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. Uh, I chose that title because I believe that the story of Mary and Martha teaches us that we must be so very careful that the busyness of life and ministry doesn't distract us from that one needful thing, and that is to commune with Christ, sitting at his feet like Mary did, in adoration and worship. Boy, so true, Gary, so true. You know, the Bible makes it pretty clear, doesn't it, that worship isn't supposed to be optional in the Christian life, but worshiping God is something that God commands of us, no matter if we're musical or not. Why is it that God wants every Christian to worship Him? Well, Brian, uh, you've pointed out a common misconception about worship. Uh, Worship is much, much more than music. In fact, music plays a very small part in the big picture of what the Bible tells us about worship. Worship is not the singing of songs in the first half of a Sunday morning service, but worship is a lifestyle that Mm. we live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Worship is giving God glory in everything we do. Yes. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, He said, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. As I mentioned earlier, Romans 12.1 tells us that we are engaged in vital spiritual worship when we offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Mm. The way we live our lives every hour of every day should be in and of itself a service of worship. Yes. Uh, The way we treat our family, the way we treat our employers, our employees and customers, the way we handle our finances, the way Mm. we use our leisure time, how we take care of our bodies, which the Bible tells us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Every aspect of our lives lived in such a way as to bring the greatest glory to God is worship. Now, uh, that's a long way around to answer your question. (laughs) Uh, Why is it that God wants every Christian to worship him? I I gave that some thought, and here's what I came up with. Jesus said in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Mm. Jesus told us in John 10, 10, that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Yes, that's right. So Jesus wants us to have a joyful, abundant life. And it is in the act of bringing our lives to God in worship 
as living sacrifices that we receive our highest fulfillment Mm. as a creature created for worship. A person who comes to worship for the express purpose of being a blessing to God will always go away themselves blessed with a great sense of fulfillment and joy. Because uh, Revelation 4.11 tells us that we were not created for our pleasure, but for His. Mm. And so we receive our greatest pleasure when we live our lives in such a way as to bring pleasure to God. And we do that by bringing glory to God in everything we do, which is our reasonable, our logical, spiritual act of worship. Boy, I think you are spot on, Gary. You know, God made men and women with responsibility. And as you just so very well pointed out to us, that responsibility includes the responsibility to worship Him. But Gary, there's a big difference between the emotional exuberance that a person can feel during a song or a piece of music that is being played and a person actually personally worshiping God. What is the difference between worshiping worship and worshiping God? Or or how can we make sure that our worship is being expressed in the right direction and for the right reason? That's a great question, Brian. Uh, uh, When when we study the doctrine of worship throughout the Bible, um, we learn that the biblical worshiper never came to a worship service to receive. He always came to give. Uh, from the very beginning, worship has always been about the offering, uh, the sacrifice uh, given to God. Interesting. And th- the whole reason the biblical worshiper came to worship was not to sing songs or even hear a sermon or, or to <laughs> receive a blessing. It was for one thing and one thing only, and that was to bring the offering. There was no worship without an offering. Mm. The biblical worshiper would have never dared come to the altar empty-handed. Think for a moment uh, about the last worship service you may have attended. Um, Now, here's the question. Did you have a genuine worship experience? Mm. Now, think about it. You you may tell me that the songs touched your heart. Uh, You may tell me that you were actually moved to tears. Um, You may... Tell me that you got a lot out of the pastor's sermon, that it really spoke to the need of your heart. Now, all of those things are good, and all of those things can and do happen within the context of worship, but they in and of themselves are not genuine worship. Mm. Because the test of whether genuine worship has taken place is not asking the question, did I get anything, but rather, did I give anything? Mm. Worship is not about what God gives you. Worship is about what you give God. Wow. I dare say that 99% of us who go to worship on any given Sunday morning have spent absolutely no time thinking about the offering we are bringing to God in worship. That is the offering of ourselves as living sacrifices that we spoke of earlier, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Many of us come to worship empty-handed, totally consumed with thoughts of what we Mm. are going to get out of it instead of thinking about what we are bringing to it. Mm. So keeping those things in mind, um, I think, will help us in being sure that our worship is being expressed in the right direction 
and for the right reasons. Boy, what a great insight, Gary. And, and listening to, to you uh, really uh, convicts my own heart in life as a pastor of a Southern Baptist church and, and looking at the evangelical church, church as a whole, it seems that uh, we really have misconstrued uh, the idea, purpose, and reason for worship, almost turning it into a spectator sport about how it makes us feel yes. rather than understanding worship is what we give to God because God alone is deserving of our worship. That's exactly right. Mm. Well, Carrie, our time is nearly already over, and I feel that we've only scratched the surface of this important, life-changing biblical principle and truth. Uh, but before we go, would you take just a minute and talk about some of the ways that as Christians we can worship God at times other than just when we're at church? Well, uh, a, a, a verse comes to mind, uh, a beautiful lyric from Psalm 45, verse 11. And uh, I like to refer to the verses and psalms as lyrics because they are songs. Yes. And uh, and 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 they're they're lyrics of songs. And so I like to refer to them that way. Uh, but there's one there's one verse in Psalm forty five eleven that I love so much, and the psalmist wrote this. He said, "So the king will greatly desire your beauty, mm. because he is your Lord. Worship him." Now, when I read that verse. Um, I, I thought it, it would be reasonable uh, that we would desire our Lord's beauty. But when you look again at Psalm 45, 11, it says, so the king will greatly desire your beauty. Hmm. And I thought, what an incredible thought that God finds us beautiful and desires intimacy with us. Um, uh, I wow. believe that Jesus truly is the lover of our souls. And the scripture says that we love him because he first loved us. We, we didn't seek him. He sought us. Jesus, the magnificent bridegroom, has showered his love and affection on his tender bride, his church, on you and me. There's nothing more beautiful to a groom than his bride. His love for her is so great, so compelling, that he would give his very life to prove his love for her. Mm. In Romans 5, 8, the scripture tells us that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love for us is beyond our comprehension and ability to understand. Mm. And so I, I encourage our listeners today not to resist his overtures of affection. Submit to him. He so desires communion with you. Bathe your heart in his letters of love. His, his precious word. Share with him your deepest desires and most tender thoughts as you speak to him in prayer. Don't become so preoccupied with life as, as Martha did that you miss his still small voice calling you to love and worship. I believe that as you spend time with the lover of your soul, your love for him will deepen, it will broaden, and you'll find that you'll become more and more like him. I believe that godliness and holiness are not accomplished by some great effort, but they are a natural expression of a love relationship with our beautiful bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. So I invite you today to hear his invitation. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. 
worship him. Mm. What a great word, Gary. Thank you, my friend. And well, everyone, that is all the time I'm afraid we have for this episode of Star City. And our guest has been Dr. Gary Mathena, and we've been talking with Gary today about the subject of what it means to truly worship God. Now, if you would like to know more about this timeless scripture truth, then I want to recommend that you read Gary's book on worship entitled One Thing Needful. You can find it on Amazon or CBD, that's Christian Book Distributors, or go to their website, christianbook.com. And why not order your copy today? I can tell you that it will be an ongoing resource for you when it comes to growing in your understanding of the biblical truth and reward that comes when you make your worship of God a personal priority in your life. Gary, once again, it's been great having you with us today. Thank you, my friend, for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me to to be with you again, Brian. I've enjoyed our time together very, very much. Mm. Well, let's do this again, my friend, as I'm sure that you have a lot more that you could unpack for us about what the Bible says concerning why we should worship God and why worshiping God is one thing needful in the life of every Christian. Well, thank you for listening in today on the Star City Podcast, and I hope you'll also invite a friend to join us again next week. Now may you have a blessed rest of your week and remember to always live each day by His grace and for His glory.